Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening from Coolidge, Arizona. It is November the 21st, 2019. And it's an unusual uh, evening in Coolidge, Arizona, where it's uh, chilly and rainy. And we're not used to that. It really puts us off. But nonetheless, I'd like to welcome everybody to the, to the broadcast this evening. And I'd like to start with a couple of um, uh, things. Uh, number one, uh, I'd like to uh, offer a special thanks to David Traxler on his review of the first three verses of 1 Peter chapter 1 that we've done about, I think, three weeks ago. And um, his analysis can be found on our Sunday morning talk shoe lesson just last Sunday, and I believe that was the uh, 17th, I believe. But it's on the Sunday morning Acts class is the title. But that review is there, and that's what he started with. And... Um, I think he did a very good job of breaking out some of the issues there. Um, you know, one thing um, I've noticed uh, in Peter's writing is so much different than the the Apostle Paul's writing. Uh, Peter is very, I don't know, that to, to me he's, he's pouring out his, his heart, but not only that, I see a real um, emotional pattern to what he writes with all of the things there that he knows to be absolutely true. There's just so much information there using um, thoughts and things that relate to other things, bringing them all together in a way that it's inescapable to see the power of the gospel uh, presented in everything that he does. Also, not only do we have the gospel, but we have uh, references to what was written before to the Jews, and we have the the prophetic uh, speaking of the end of time, the end of days, that's in the future of these people. So we have all that put together that makes a very full um, learning experience out of this, and that's the reason I wanted to do this, uh, because uh, both of his epistles have this this uh, concept. Also, one more note: uh, on the 28th of November, we will not be broadcasting live due to the fact that it's Thanksgiving and we don't have uh, many people are here, there, and everywhere. And we'll pick it up again the next Thursday, the following Thursday, which will be into December, of course. So I'd like to begin the class tonight by reading a section of Scripture out of Second Peter. Now, we're studying First Peter, but this is Second Peter written about a year later um, in the... Um, uh, out of the first chapter, starting with verse 12. And listen to what he says here. Very, again, we, very expressive through this whole, this whole point. But I, I want to show you, I want you to hear this so I can make my comments on it. And I think they're very uh, timely for us in our study. <clears throat> he says, Wherefore, I will not be careless always to remind you concerning these things, Though, having known them, and having been established in the present truth, and I think right, so long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up in reminding you, having known that soon is the laying aside of my tabernacle, 
even as also our Lord Jesus Christ did show to me. And I will be diligent that also at every time you have, after my outgoing, power to make to yourselves the remembrance of these things. For skillfully devised fables, not having followed out, we did make known to you the power and presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. But eyewitnesses having become of his majesty. For having received from God the Father honor and glory, such a voice being born to him, that is Jesus, by the excellent glory, that is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice we, we did hear, out of the heaven born, being with him in the holy mount. And how far am I going? Verse 21. And we have more firm the prophetic word, to which we do, uh, to which we do well give heed, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, till day may dawn, and a morning star may arise in your hearts. This first knowing that no prophecy of the writing doth come of private exposition. For not by will of man did ever prophecy come, but by the Holy Spirit born on holy men of God spake. I'd like to point out in verse 19, the apostle says, We have more firm the prophetic word. You see, meaning that even though they had known much to do with prophecy before, Jesus came along during the ministry and since the, 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 uh, the mind of Christ came upon the apostles, they had a very firm understanding of pro- prophecy and the things to come. To which we do well give heed. And they give heed, so I think it's clear to us that we should also give heed. Now, I'm jumping ahead here Uh, way ahead of this in this writing of the Apostle Peter, but I do so to confirm every word spoken or written through the Apostles is indeed from the very mind of Christ, as we read in 1 Corinthians, even though, and even also the Spirit of Christ from heaven. You see, as we, as you'll recall, we've already spoke about the prophets of old having the spirit of Christ. So all of this uh, is the illustration that Christ spoke through the apostles uh, and was, of course, with them in the inspiration, as we call it, in their writing the epistles for the good of the church and still to us, of course, today. Uh, these words, as I've said many times over, these these are words written, spoke by the Apostle Peter, in this case, and scribed uh, down on on the uh, parchment or whatever it was that he was using. Uh, but the words came from the mind of Christ and from heaven itself. So, and the other point here in in this that I. Not only does he make it very clear here in Second uh, Peter, which was A.D. 63, that the end of his days was soon, um, he also makes a point, uh, and the Apostle Peter wanted to remind them of the fact, even though they had heard this truth before, the things that he's writing about, they had heard it, they may have heard it more than once, this, this here in the second letter of Peter, you see the apostle said these things really bear repeating. And I think we need to remember that because we likewise must do so in the teaching of God's word. Many things bear repeating and we must repeat. 
because the way that we learn is to have a repeating exposure to the word, to the thinking, and that way it becomes part of our thinking. I think it's very helpful to have these things uh, repeated and visited once again uh, because in that way we, we can retain the, the very spirit of the text. And the text has a spirit like many things do. Uh, it has a real presence. Um, so I wanted to share that with you because, you know, sometimes we, we forget. Um, and especially, you know, one of our goals here in this ministry is to promote the apostolic authority for the body of Christ in the world. It started nearly 2,000 years ago as Jesus was ascended into heaven and left this with the apostles to turn the world upside down and to establish the, the assemblies wherever they went. And so we do the same today, teaching the very thing that the apostles taught. That's our, our mission, and that's our, our, uh, our mandate, is to do just that. We're going to begin our study this evening in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. Um, and we're going to, uh, I'm just going to read the verses that we have, and then we'll speak about the, the points in it that are important uh, to follow along in the understanding. Verse 17 says, And if on the Father you do call, who without acceptance of persons is judging according to the work of each, in fear the time of your sojourn pass ye. Okay, let me kind of translate that just a little. Uh, this is the Young's. I like it because it's got all the words in it, but some of them need maybe a little understanding. Um, I like the, the first part. If on the Father you do call. You see, that qualifies everything that follows. In other words, if that's not who you are, of course, then these things below have no meaning to you. But these folks he was writing to, they were professing just that. They called on the Father through Jesus Christ, his son. So doing so is saying that you believe he is. Uh, remember uh, Hebrews chapter 11, I think it's verse uh, 16. Uh, I'm not sure about the verse, but uh, that, that's what God requires. Faith in God requires um, requires that we have an understanding and that we believe who he is. I think it might be verse 8 in Hebrews 11 or maybe 6. <laughs> I'm having a mind block here. But, um, yeah, it is verse 6, I think. Yes, verse 6 in Hebrews 11, And without faith it is impossible to be well-pleasing unto him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that seek after him. So this, this is the point here. Um, this is what we need to know and this is what God expects from us when we call on him. And all of that brings us then to know this that God is no respecter of persons. In other words, your abilities uh, and all of the things that may set you apart or um, cause people to uh, think highly of you, that is, has nothing to do with how God judges your actions. Your actions will be judged. He's no respecter of persons. Every person has opportunity to do his will, and they can. He's judging according to each one's works. And so we can ask ourselves, do we live and act according to his will? 
because that's how we're judged against, not against our our brother or sister, how much much or how much less or how much more holy or saintly we are than they, but are we are judged against and compared to, if we need to be compared to somebody to make us feel good, God is going to compare us to his son. Now, that bar, I think, is humbling. So he's trying to make the point here that uh, God is no respecter of persons, and we need to go way beyond that and understand that this is true, because he wouldn't be a fair judge otherwise. It goes right back to personal accountability. It does. And it's the, it's the very reason we have personal accountability. That's right. Then, because of all this, then, in as the text says, fear, but fear is expressed in an outwardly form, according to Bullinger, in reverence when, it, when it's dealing with God or even dealing with uh, uh, those that are over us in the Lord, but in reverence to him. That's why we call no man father. That's why the title of reverend in the world of Christendom is wholly out of place because there are no rever- uh, 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 reverent preachers. They, I think the only, the only time reverence uh, or uh, reverence is used in association with uh, anything it's in the association with God, the Father. So in reverence to him, we are to live out the days of our lives that is, in the days in the body of this flesh. Because th- this we live in faith. Uh, we will have sight, but we must accomplish our task here in faith first. So, verse 17, how can there be so much in just one little statement? But there is. Uh, he uses the word sojourn. We don't use that typically in our vernacular today. Uh, and that's why I've kind of put it in more uh, understandable language. But um, it encompasses your life in just those few small uh, words there. And that's why it's so weighty. So the next, we're going to read verse 18 and 19 together because they fit together and need to be presented that way. And as we're doing this, I think you'll you understand what I mean about the fact that we see a lot of emotion, a lot of descriptive language, uh, comparisons, and really symbols uh, which have a very Jewish background and understanding to them. We don't want to forget that. Uh, because much of his audience are, are Jewish Christians. So in verse 18 and 19, we have these words. Having known that not with corruptible things, silver or gold, were you redeemed from your foolish behavior, delivered by fathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished, and unspotted Christ, in other words, the Messiah's blood. And uh, so when we look at this closely, I like having known that. Uh, Having known that, you see, he's taking, uh, not everyone that would read this that was not a Christian would have have any idea about having known that. but what he's talking about here is is the the high price of redemption. The high price of redemption. You know, many years ago, there was a saying that kept going around uh, when people were trying to refer to people that presented the gospel as uh, faith only compared to uh, others that presented it with uh, the terms of pardon and things to do. Uh, and the phrase cheap grace 
was uh, coined. And I thought, you know, that's very, um, that's a very unfortunate thing for people to be saying. Mm-hmm. Cheap grace. Especially when the, the fact that we, what we need to understand, everyone, is the high price of redemption of man from his sins. The very high price. No, another man didn't die for us, just us. 10,000 didn't die. You know, we, we live in a country that men fight wars and go to battle so we can be free. That's a wonderful thing. But consider what the Son of God did for all mankind. Not only those after him, but those before too. So the high price of redemption. We should know that. And the apostle considers us, we need to know that. Have no question about it. And here's the, here's the technical part about it. It's uh, this, this redemption was not purchased with corruptible things. And what's corruptible? Silver and gold? Why aren't that the most precious things we have, isn't it? But it's corruptible. You know, uh, silver that's mixed with something or gold that's, that's burnt, and, and you can corrupt these, these uh, elements to where they lose a lot of value. They're not good enough to forgive our sins. So, not with corruptible things, silver or gold were you redeemed out of your foolish behavior and I had the, the thought here, learned from your fathers, because uh, that I've read in, in other parts of the New Testament. You know, the foolishness of the Son many times is learned from the foolishness of the Father. But when we're talking about our Father in heaven and his Son, we have no foolishness to learn from them. But we do, on on occasion, learn foolishness from our fathers, as the people of of that day did. But they were redeemed out of that. They came out of that. The Greek word, ek, uh, I, I like the out of instead of, you know, you can use the word from or other words, but I think it's more expressive to say out of. But with, as the verse goes on, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished, unspotted, Christ Jesus' blood. Now you see the Jewish people that were Christians understood the idea of precious blood of a lamb. You see, that was, that was the, the most uh, highly sought blood for that sort of sacrifice. It had to be a lamb that was unblemished and unspotted. The very finest lamb that you had, male lamb. And uh, so the comparison is to, of course, Jesus Christ and his blood. In other words, his sinless blood from a sinless man. Isn't that what the Bible says? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 concerning Jesus. Uh, Verse 14 to 15, I believe it is. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15. Having then a great high priest, that's Jesus, who hath passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one that hath been in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You see, that's the, that's the reason that the blood of Christ was able to forgive sin. The shedding of blood is God's requirement for forgiveness of sin. 
but to do so in a way that was beneficial once for all, it needed to be sinless blood from the sinless man. And, and friends, Jesus was 100% man. The Son of God, the Spirit of God from heaven, born to the Virgin, and was man. As the, the text and, and the, the Greek language makes it so clear that he was a man, and I, I, I cringe every time I hear people say that he was 100% man and 100% God. Because, friends, you know, our, our mathematics need to be a little better than that. You can't get away with that with intelligent people and, and people that, that is just foolishness. Because it's not true. But you see, this was invented uh, so that we could hide our, so we could bury our Calvinism and not have to explain much further than that. Um, and it's a real problem. The Bible claims Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth to be a man. I believe the Bible. Who was he? Well, I think Peter just said in in Second Peter that out of heaven spoke the, the voice of God about this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I believe that too. So we don't have to bow down to the, to the uh, theological expressions of adding 100 and 100 and coming up with 100. All right. I think I could say that what Jesus did was the most precious payment for the most devastating debt. The sin of man towards God. That is the devastating debt. That is the debt that man can't repay himself regardless of what he does or what he could spend or, or anything else he can do. And to say that we can, or even try to, is an insult to the one who did. And that's the Son of God. Well, let's move on to verse 20 and 21 in 1 Peter. Reading them together. And here we have a word that we've talked about before in this first chapter. We have the idea of foreknown. That is, God has foreknown. The Son of God has foreknown. And, and it says, and we'll read why. Foreknown indeed before the foundation of the world and manifested in the last times because of you who through him do believe in God, who did raise out of the dead, the glory to him did give, so that your faith and hope may be in God. I love these verses. They are so full of, of teaching that should straighten, straighten everything completely out. If only they would, or only if they would be studied, I suppose. So the foreknowing is, of course, by the Father. And I say by the Son, too, because of this reason. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, Jesus makes it very clear that he wanted to return to the glory he had with the Father before the uh, creation of all things. All of this was known to God. These things were known to God. This was his goal uh, in creating man. That's, a, that's another whole lesson, but it certainly is it, it's, it's true to this whole idea. Uh, that foreordained is another way we can express it, uh, meaning basically the same thing. And, they, and the word indeed is put in here. 
Uh, and when we see that word, it's like the word behold. Uh, the, the scripture uses the word behold, and our, many of our translations change it to the word look. Well, believe me, beholding something and looking at something are two different things in an emotional sense and in, in, in importance. And the word indeed is making it clear that this is an important fact to understand that all this was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And here the word here is the word cosmos. It means world order. Um, the things of this world, uh, including all sorts of things. So before any of that was established, you see. And then, and made to be clearly seen. That's what manifest means. Uh, we don't use the word manifest in our vernacular, but it simply means something is, is made clearly seen or, or even clearly understood. Uh, and that's what this is, to be made clearly seen so that all can be clearly understood. That's the idea of something being manifested. In what? The last times. The last times because of you. Now the you there is just going to have to be the people that are receiving this epistle. It is second person plural. It is, it is referring to those reading the letter. All right? So friends, let me ask you, how can we remove the last days or the last times from the people of A.D. 63. I really don't think we can. This is just another verse on top of so many others that make it very clear that the apostles were living in the last days. And I said a number of weeks ago, what are the last days? The last days began with the birth of the Messiah. Just like the prophecy of the Old Testament always said. The completion of his task took about 72 years. They're all the last days. Like a thief in the night. That's right. We're just going to have to let go of our futuristic baggage. I've worn mine clear down to the handle now. I'm about ready to just let it drop. I hope you are too. But that's what this means. And, and having an understanding of that, I think, is vital. And the apostle makes it very clear that this is the truth. Now verse 21 says, Through Christ Jesus, they believed in God. That's the way it was. They heard the gospel story. Many of them, of course, the Jewish people already had a belief in God, but when they saw what the, the, the scriptures and the apostles' testimony, they knew that all of this was God's way. And it became the new way, or the way, it made it very clear to the Jews and very clear to the Gentiles that the God of heaven had, had put all of this in place. And I just think that's incredible. God raised Jesus out of the dead, it says, and then he glorified him because of his work to save mankind, save them uh, separate their sins from their their uh, their spirit and their soul that uh, and took that sin upon himself to the cross so that their faith and ours and hope may be in God uh, you know everything Jesus did in the gospels he he did in deference to his father. Um, 
And we never want to forget that. Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible never says he's God the Son. He's the Son of God. And he was always, his expression was always in deference to the Father who had sent him, saying many things. The Father is greater than I. Uh, Every word I speak I heard from my Father in heaven. Uh, The miracles, when he said, so that you may know that I have the authority to do this or that. Uh, That Greek word means, so if we were to hear it in English, it would say, so that you know I have been delegated the authority to do this, thus, and so. That's what it is. God worked those miracles through his son, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth in those days. So through Jesus and all that he did, the world can have a real picture of who God is and be able to believe in God uh, in, in a very solid, helpful way. Now, all, the, all of these two verses, friends, is, is it not the outcome of becoming obedient to the gospel? and the truth of God's word. You see, this is a part, the glory of this. And we're going to read in verse 22 about that idea of obedience. But all of these things are attributes and things that are part of a Christian's life, are part of one that has been converted and has has been obedient to the gospel, obedient to the, the pattern of salvation, to use another phrase that we find in Ephesians. Um, So let's look at verse 22. (coughs) Excuse me. Your souls, having purified in the obedience of the truth, through the Spirit to brotherly love unfeigning, out of a pure heart, one another, love ye earnestly. Now I know that sentence is a little hard, is not, it's a little confusing. But there again, it's packed with all kinds of great teaching. And I, here's the phrase, the, um, and here's the com- comment: obedience of the truth. Now, what's the truth? We know it's the God's word. Jesus said, your word is truth. The Bible is God's word. It's truth. And that's what the apostles of Christ taught. Well, obedience to that truth brings purified or purification to our souls. Isn't that what what this text says? In obeying the truth. Now let me ask you a question. If that be true, and and certainly it is, does this happen simply by a mental belief in the message that has been heard? Or is there more to the act of obedience? Well, to fully understand what the Apostle Peter is saying concerning this obedience to the truth, one must read the Apostle's instructions, uh, the Apostle Peter, his instructions on this point in Acts chapter 2. And that was delivered to the Jewish people on the day of Pentecost. And then in Acts chapter 10, and repeated in 11, to the Gentiles coming to salvation in Christ. Remember Cornelius? in his household. Now, this, this point that I, I'm talking about right now is, is very much debated. The subject of this is very debated in Christendom, but it was never debated among the apostles, even though many say that it was. 
This, this was not debated, and all apostles speak the same thing concerning the pattern of salvation, the terms of pardon, the things to do, uh, the instructions of the apostles. And um, read Acts chapter 2, read Acts chapter 10, and you'll see what I mean. That's another lesson, really. But it has the idea, it has to do with the idea of the obedience of the person who is converted. You know, you're converted. And then you become obedient. All right? Nowhere does the scripture say you're saved just because you heard the message. You need to go on from there. You need to hear the message. But then you follow the pattern. And there's a number of things that that people do and um, if there's any question about that, of course, uh, shoot us an email and we'll make sure that we go into it a little deeper for you. Um, but these things must be done with a pure heart. You know, after all of that, uh, the idea of the pure heart and loving one another, you see, that is your motives must be according with godly behavior. Okay, it's uh, there again we have the word out of. Uh, these things must be done out of a pure heart. In other words, this is these expressions are coming forth from a pure heart. That means if it's pure, then you're thinking godly things. You're doing godly things. And you're certainly following all of the terms of pardon that God has given us through his Son as preached by the apostles to become a child of God and to be, uh, as verse uh, 23 is going to be talking about, the word begotten. See how one thing builds on the other here? You know, there isn't anything random about the way Peter is writing here. Yeah, I, These things build on each other. They, they do. In, in verse 21, your faith and hope mm-hmm. may be in, uh, in, in God. That's, that's into, that's a positional change. You're moving from out of into, and then 20, 22, you're in the obedience of the truth. Right. And from that position of obedience, what comes out is mm-hmm. love and of, of a pure heart. Yeah, it, it builds on each other. You're, and you're right. Thanks for bringing that up about the end. Because, you know, being converted puts you next to or puts you on the road towards the, uh, sometimes we use the word unto forgiveness of sin. I think it's in uh, Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 4, um, where the baptism is baptism of John was unto salvation. In other words, it was, it was going towards salvation, not attaining it, you see, because repentance brings you uh, towards salvation. That's right. There it is. Uh, preaching the John preached the baptism of repentance unto remission of sins. It wasn't. It, it wasn't for remission. It wasn't as you you had it here. It was unto. It couldn't be for, could it? The, the, these people had were not being baptized into Christ. And yet, of course, the debate continues, but but not with uh, real uh, real honesty, I might add. We need to understand this. Our motives must be according accord with godly behavior. That's a qualifier for all we do. And oh, by the way, we all know God knows what we're thinking. He knows what our heart is. There isn't any any question about that. Like I said, that's why I say there's no debate about this amongst the apostles. 
They weren't having forums to find out what it is we, they didn't have to do for salvation. They were all preaching the same thing. Everything necessary. All that the Lord commanded. All that the Father had commanded. Let's move on to a conclusion, actually. First uh, Peter one twenty three through twenty five. Oh, did well, did we didn't read? Uh, uh, no, we 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 need to do that. Twenty three, uh, being begotten again, not out of seed corruptible, but incorruptible. Through a word of God, living and remaining to the age. Because all flesh is as grass, and all glory of man as flower of grass. Whither did the grass, and the flower of it fell away. Okay? I'm going to read the last verse too. And the saying of the Lord doth remain. To the age, that is to to the time of, uh, to the age of, of uh, continual age, without end. And this is the saying that was proclaimed good news to you. We are begotten first in the flesh from our human parents. But we are still the creation of God, in essence. But then we are begotten second in Christ. We are bought by his blood, and we become the children of God. This is all through the obedience of the truth, you see. It's all together. It's a continual process that brings you into this state, and the state of understanding about begotten. And all through the word of God, living and abiding forever without end. Now the word of God here is the Logos uh, in verse, um, is it 25 or 24? Let's see. Uh, in, you know, in 25, the word is different, uh, but uh, up in, I think it's 20, probably 23. Um, yeah, in 23, we have by word, uh, and that's the logos. That's, uh, that's a different, um, a different, it means the, the word of God, uh, the command of God even, as, as the apostles taught. But in the next verse, um, the, the uh, Rima, as it's called, the uh, Youngs calls this, uh, uh, he calls it, uh, he translates it as uh, literally as the sayings of the Lord. And, and that's, that's correct. Um, now, the sayings of the Lord doth remain. How long are they going to remain, the sayings of the Lord? Well, they're not going to fade away. They're not going to go out of style. And they're not going to be revoked. They're not going to be surpassed by human understanding. They're going to remain, all of them, forever and ever and ever. In other words, without end. There's no end to the rima of God, the sayings of God. And that, I think, is, of course, is that an apostolic message? I certainly think it is. And Peter expresses it very well. And I hope that, uh, I hope that I've done it justice as I recount it this way. 
there's uh, there's a lot of teachings about the the idea of word. We translate it as word, and we wouldn't know that if it's logos or rima unless we look it up in the Greek, and and we should do that. But it's a very it's a very difficult study to to try to make a real difference in what the two things mean. Um, but through a word, you know, God speaks to us not in not uh, in the shower or out in the forest, but He speaks to us through His Word. His Word is the Word of God, the Bible. And if you think that's just too um, too small of a thing, you need to do a, a study about how and why the Bible is still here with us today. You know, men have tried to keep what they considered sacred writings of men and a lot of other things they've tried to preserve. Much, much newer than the Word of God. And yet we have the Word of God. We There's more Bibles in this world than there is any other book. Now, how can that be? How can that be? Especially in the climate where it seems that so many have nothing to do with God whatsoever. And it gets less and less and less, and yet do we find that we have more and more and more Bibles. Isn't that something? We need to think about that. Well, I hope this has been uh, helpful this evening. And until we see you uh, and get together again in our studies in the writings of Peter, uh, starting with chapter 2, in two weeks, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that, that we will have the insight required to do the things that we should do in our study of your word and the apostolic teaching and all that you have given us, Father, to give us a real, safe, and understanding place to be in the faith. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.